0: The embankments and cuts They blasted and dug with their sweat and their guts They never drank water but whiskey by pints And the shanty towns rang with their songs and their fights Navigator, navigator, rise up and be strong The morning is here and there's work to be done, take your pick and your shovel and old dynamite. We're to shift a few tons of this earthly delight. Yes, we'll shift a few tons of this earthly delight. And mark on this land, we'll see no scene ends And For commerce, for vast fortunes were made. Landslide and rock blasts, I got buried so deep. Then, now, oh, deep in Oh, shit. Definitely not life. They'll have peace they sleep. Hi, everybody. I'm back outside. It rained. It snowed like crazy the other day. And now we've got some serious accumulation around here. See those? See that, guys? Yeah. Yep. We got, we got some real... uh we got some real snowfall here. I see that in the in the door there. Nice. Got to say, very surprised at it. Kind of thought they stopped doing that in New York before March, but It's nice. Not too cold. It's like 30. So It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Anywhere you go. Ron Johnson, my senator, the guy who defeated my first political hero, Russ Feingold. That was a tough one. And then, real kick of the dick when he beat him in the rematch, which I kind of assumed uh, Johnson was going to lose, but Hillary really did a number in 2016 on the Democrats. Well, Obama did a number on the Democrats in general. Hillary was just an expediter of it. But man, that guy is, uh, as politicians go, he's dumb. I actually, my cousin is friends with his son and was at his son's wedding. Like they were high college roommates together. And he said that he went to Ron John and, and he's a friend of the kid and he's a friend of Ron Johnson. He's a good libertarian, like all guys of his age and demographic cohort, uh, And he said that when he went to visit his house, which is a big, gaudy McMansion, as you can imagine, there was a big, flat screen playing Fox News in every TV, and they were all on. That guy is a fucking senator, so that's cool. So, yeah, I really dislike that guy, but what are you going to do? What's the bench in, Demo- in in Wisconsin to beat him? What is the what is the way what what way can a Democrat win an election now at this point? How can a Democrat win an election in this country given what they are as a party? Beyond you know house seats that are all literally written for them to govern in, it's pretty grim. And, um, you know, I tried to talk to my cousin about Johnson and what a joke his whole small business, because he's, he's one of these, he was a guy who, he is a beautiful boater. He owns a, like a construction industry company before he decided to run for con- Senate. And uh, he got the money to start it from his wife, we met in college. uh i don't wear shorts when it's outside when it's cold on purpose as a flex i have done it occasionally i have i i will admit that i have done the thing where you wear like a sweatshirt and uh shorts i've done that but i don't i don't try to try to big dog my my uh, cold tolerance although it is pretty high i will admit crudes anybody seen the crudes too yet what are they what, what's the take does it improve on any, does it, does it expand the mythos of any, in any way? Do we know more about the Crude's universe? Do we get any end credit sequences where we find out that they're going to join like a Crude's Avengers type situation? I would like to know. I've actually never been to the House on the Rock, which, uh, shameful for a Wisconsinite, that's one of our number one tourist traps. But I've heard only bad things. <laughs> I've heard that it is a huge, it's literally just a giant pile of junk that is there for you to look at. Like the most denuded type of pure, uh, like most photographed barn in America type deal. But I haven't been there. I don't know. That's just what I've heard. That's what I've heard. I have, of course, been to like Wisconsin Dells many times. And I, I I'm I'm a little annoyed though that I have never been to Tallison, which I think it would be cool. Eagle River, of course. Up north. I've been there uh frequently. People keep asking about the Jimmy Dore AOC thing. I think I've made my position pretty clear. What difference this is this is all about affect. It's about There's AOC. She's in office. I can't do anything about that, one way or the other. I can't affect her behavior in any way. What I can do is have an affect towards her. I can think she's on my side, or I can think she's against me. I can boo and hiss at her when I see her on TV, or I can clap. Is she a face, or is she a heel? And this whole discussion is a meta narrative where you get to figure out, in conversation with your favorite left media figures, whether you think AOC is a heel or a face. And it, like, if you're going to consume political media and invest it with emotion, that's not an insignificant question. You have to have an answer to that. Everybody in this fucking drama that we're experiencing, this public, this kayfabe uh, uh, political reality, everybody has to have a face or heel uh, value for you to have programmed so that you can get your, your joy out of having a reaction to when they do things. To get them mad at them or to get happy when they do it. Both ways to root for or against them. That is the narrative that you're engaging in. And you have to know who is the people the, to the applaud and who are the people to boo and hiss. And this is how we figure that out. In the Biden era, without Trump being there, the question now is much more uh, is gonna be much more pronounced. Who in the people now governing are to be booed and hissed and who is to be cheered? That's it. And I don't really, I mean, I can't. I don't watch wrestling. I mean, I don't want to sound fucking. Uh, you know, I, that sounds very uh, pre- pretentious and and and, uh, and above it all, like oh, you you peasants dealing with this. It's just for me. I can't. I can't get enough emotional investment in it because all I can th- keep thinking is, if AOC did do a. Uh, first of all, if you decide as a person, if we decide, there's no we to decide. Worst of all whether she should do it. We all decide. All right. AOC. Yeah, she should push for a Medicare for all vote. Okay, what now? You called her. Call her office, you email her, you text her, you, you tweet at her, you DM her. Okay. That's going to happen. I mean, do you think that's going to have an effect? And the argument, I think, is, Well, it might not affect her, but it will build organizational capacity. No, it's more posting. Pressure works when it is coordinated. Nothing can be coordinated by this media fucking bullshit. That was what the dream of the Bernie campaign was, that we could top down this motherfucker. And I don't blame anybody for including myself for participating in that because it was the only option that seemed available to the atomized American uh, subject trying to figure out how to rebuild a political identity. It was the only option so we took it and it took us as far as it could go. But it's not, its the horse is dead. The horse dropped dead halfway uh, into town and you gotta walk the rest of the way carrying uh, the little girl who got bit by the snake like the end of uh, True Grit. Also, if you say, no, no, that she shouldn't do that, what does that mean? And there's the, if, you, if she does do it, all right, here's the people who voted for Medicare for All, here's the people who voted against it. I guess the question is, the, like, you as a, per, as a voter can say, ah, I will not support them anymore. Like, you'll flush people. But we know. And the thing more importantly is, those votes don't mean anything. How many people campaigned on Medicare for All in 2020? To try to steal Bernie's left-wing credentials, including the fucking vice president-elect. They can say anything. And in a context where a vote is dead in the water, they can vote anyway. And more importantly, even if that did give you something to do, the thing to do disappears into the wind with every other media-based political organizational tactic. They can't work. We know it can't work. Everything else is secondary. I don't care about any of the fucking specifics of any of these arguments, and about weighing like Jimmy Dore's soul against the feather to see if he can go to fucking the afterlife or or AOC for that matter. It doesn't fucking matter. You're just and if you decide AOC is a is a is not a heel, she's a face. Well, good. Now you've got Jimmy Dore. He could be your heel. You've got somebody to boo out of it. You've got somebody to invent. You you know the sides, so that you can you can cheer on the people that you want and boo and hiss the people you don't like. I don't care about it. There is no left. There is no. There is nothing to. There is no us to make decisions like this. But the main thing it is, like, the real... Like, I, I'm not saying that this is what people have in mind, that this is why they think they're arguing, but the material under reality of all this is that the Biden era is going to be a new landscape, and it's going to create audiences for left commentary. And this moment, as the uh, uh, administration shapes into being is when sides are called, when audiences and, uh, and creators align themselves. And this is what's happening. It's a sorting mechanism. These controversies, in, in, in addition to being the balls of string we can bat around, function as sorting mechanisms for who is in whose audience, who's in whose demo. So that's that on that. I'm done talking about it. And of course that means that that to me that that's why my whole job now has, has, has thrown me into sort of a constant anxiety uh uh cycle because I'm more and more convinced every day that this that this illusory uh, political uh, reality that, that we invest our emotions in is a fundamental hindrance to our ability to recognize the, the conditions around us and to act from them. But I also depend on this, you know, for, for all of a lot of the good things in my life. So how do I square that circle? And that's the question I have to ask myself every day. And the, cha- the, the, the answer... Uh, the answer, I think it has to come every day too, you know, I have to answer that question for myself by what I do every day. Nothing matters. See, that's the other problem. I don't want to say that. I don't want to get that message across. Everything matters, but the things that we have charged with political meaning don't. But we can charge other things with political meaning, things closer to us, things that we can engage with more concretely and more satisfactorily and less uh, self-defeatingly. But they cannot be prescribed from an abstract point. That is another circle that I have to square every day. The grill is actually covered. Somebody's asking about the grill. The grill is. Where is it? There it is. Look at that puppy. Look at how much fucking snow's on that baby. Love it. The weather outside is delightful, I say. Really does remind me of home. Yeah, gonna get old man about it right now. Gonna get proustian and and uh, and crotchety. But growing up in uh, uh, Wisconsin, specifically coastal Wisconsin, next to the Great Lake, next to Lake Michigan, which had always a lake effect, which meant that even in a state that was already very very snow covered during the winter the lake counties would get even more. Uh, yes, it's coastal. Fuck you. The, th- the, th- the Great Lakes are the third coast, sir. And if you want to get really, like, uh, wacky about shit, if you want to, like, really wax, you know, like, uh, uh, 19th century, uh, like, crank historiography, geographic destiny style on America, it's kind of interesting that the places that vote Democratic are essentially all the places on water. But anyway, uh, so coastal Wisconsin, they get more snow even than inland. And so the winter when I was growing up was, uh, my memories are of huge snowbanks and King of the Hill and my fucking jeans getting wet, going in and playing uh, at recess and wearing moon boots in kindergarten. And, and uh, mittens uh, pinned to jackets it's a It's a very vivid mindscape of like impressionable time in my life ah. so yeah, I'm actually kind of like being chilling out here and seeing the big piles. saw snowman today awesome <clears throat> ah. Yeah, a lot of it has to do with population density. Obviously, people live near water for a million reasons, and the more people there are in the American, it just requires you to break down a lot of the more uh, reactionary social uh, responses that really can only only maintain themselves in relatively stable population uh, population densities and low, low. I should say low population densities. Cosmopolitanism, they call it. That's why Turkey is very interesting as like a a Middle Eastern United States. I know people, Israel isn't the American, uh, isn't the America of the Middle East. It is just America. Turkey is the America of the Middle East. And they got a big, broad, middle swath of sullen, uh, uh, religiously uh, fanatic, or religiously devout uh, 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 Islamist, Sort of conservatives, uh, where uh, where like devo- devotion to is to Sunni Islam is also correlated to neoliberal economics somehow, and then on the coasts, you've got the, uh, the the cosmopolitan types who, uh, who 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 still cling to Kemal uh, Atatürk's secularism, and are more you know left in general, and America is very similar. And if anyone ever wants uh, proof of the of the argument that Turkey is the United States of the Middle East, a couple years ago there was some dumb kerfuffle about an American uh, minister who got detained in Turkey because they thought he was connected to the Gulan network, and Trump did like retaliatory uh, like sanctions on. The lira and it's and it just the lira had a crisis. It like dropped hugely, dropped in value very quickly. Uh, and in response, there was a nationwide Turkish campaign to fi- have people film themselves destroying American products. And one I remember distinctly was a guy yelling into the screen, uh, cutting a promo against America with a hammer in his hand, and then getting down on a driveway and smashing a line of iPhones. And I just remember thinking, yes, that is that. There we are. There we are. Flynn did try to black bag Mulan, and that's very funny. Milwaukee does not have a nice flag. Milwaukee has a terrible flag. We are talking flags a couple weeks ago. The Milwaukee flag is embarrassing. Some clip art-ass shit. And then Wisconsin itself has a, low, a bottom tier, bottom five flag. Uh, somebody showed me uh, that there's like a vexology uh, society that ranks the American flags, the, Amer- the flags of the Americas, rather, like all the states and provinces of, of the United States and Canada. I don't know if Mexico, but definitely those two. And number one was New Mexico, which, correct. And uh, Wisconsin was in the bottom five, also accurate. It, yeah, Wisconsin's flags has the words 14, 1848 on it, not 1488. Although you could do that if you wanted to, that'd be a clever bit of uh, culture jamming. Uh, Because that's when it was founded. But that's just dumb. Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Why would you do that? Arizona's is also good. I would say that Arizona, New Mexico, the best flags, both of them. That's one and two for me in the United States. And that's kind of amazing that they were the last two continental states brought into the union. it had taken that long for, uh, uh, like, modern ideas of aesthetics to, to carry on, because the earlier flags are from states that were brought into the Union in the middle of the 19th century, the florid, uh, a very florid era, you know, florid prose, uh, over, um, over-furnished rooms, and overly intricate flags. Here's a miner, and here's a farmer, and here's a sailboat, and here's some lead bricks, and here's a bushel of wheat. Literal. Overly literal. You don't have to describe so much, dude. Leave a little bit to the imagination. I got to say, I think that there is a sign that maybe if we haven't gotten better at some arguments in America, maybe we've just had so many more pressing idiocies that we can't remember the old stuff, but the fact that Michigan's, that Mississippi's new no non-Confederate flag says, in God we trust, having grown up in the 90s, I swear to God that would have been a bigger deal if that had happened then, putting God on a state flag. I. Because that's the kind of shit that people actually talked about in, like, the late 90s, early aughts. Like, fucking manger scenes in in town squares and shit. And, like, sure, like, conservatives and people still talk about that stuff. But there was a while for... That was a thing that that liberals loved to bat around. You know, this idea of of really uh, enforcing a separation of church and state. It was during that period, especially after uh, Bush became president when everyone on the uh, liberal left was terrified of some theocracy being imposed. Uh, and there was this, this like militant secularism. And then now nobody cares about it. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody fucking cares. Which is why there's that fucking documentary that somebody just made about the Church of Satan suing to allow, have Baphomet go next to a manger scene on a fucking city hall front yard. And it's like, this is, that was made in 2019 or something. Like that, what the fuck? This movie is minimal 10 years too late. Who gives a shit, man? Yeah, there is no more Reddit religion than Church of Satan, which is just libertarianism with capes. Anton Xander LeVay was explicit about this. He basically just took uh, Randian objectivism and added ritual. That's it. Neither of those things are appealing. Like ritual is appealing if it if it speaks to community and it speaks to connectivity. This is literally ritualizing the psychosis of libertarianism. No thank you, sir. Baphomet was uh this is funny that like in this yeah, Baphomet uh is a corruption of the the name Muhammad and it was uh I think it was when the Knights Templar were suppressed by uh, King uh, Philip, I believe, of France, and they were all tortured into uh, confessing to witchcraft so that the king could repudiate the debt he owed to the Templars and seize all of their fucking uh, money and property. Uh, they, they confessed to worshipping Baphomet. And that was probably just that was most just probably Muhammad, you know, because these guys remember this was a crusading order, and the bad guys were not the bad guy was not the devil at that point. The bad guy was the Mohammedian, the Saracen. And oh, I got oh, there's another thing. A very distinct childhood memory is talking around giant plumes of smoke. This is great. I can I can chew now. Chum now, and you can't even tell other than the when I, you know, leaned out. So, like, this thing that these assholes worship isn't even, like... It's all just... It is a Reddit religion. If whoever said that was correct. It is Reddit religion. It is an attempt to uh, reverse-engineer meaning out of the arid spiritual desert that you find yourself after you've committed yourself to the rationalist perspective. That is the that was the default like uh worldview of the internet at its beginning, because it was begun by white dudes. Because it was begun by the people who pioneered and perfected that uh that desacralization effort, that, that profaning of life, profaning of the world. Like and that's the final outcome of it. That's the final expression of that drive. And at the end of it, you find yourself alone, in every sense. What do you do? You gotta find your way back, but you've cut the cord. You can't find the fucking, the breadcrumb trail is gone. So you have to make it up as you go along. And what you do is shit like fucking the Church of Satan. It's like, let's get some ritual. Let's get some, let's get some magic and put it in the world. In the form of a bunch of, uh, gross, uh, California people rubbing each other while wearing capes. Now, you know, that's not talking about shit like Crowley and you know the esoteric tradition of magic which is is not doing that, but Church of Satan is just like get out of here Freemasons are a similar deal, certainly. But that's like at a higher le- social strata where like social bonds remain intact longer, because you're perpetuating a class project. At least in the you know at the elite level of masonry. But I think for most guys, it's just it's like the Kiwanis Club. And then even at the top levels, it's just like a Kiwanis Cub for the rich and powerful. At which point, once again, conspiracy becomes. Uh, an obsolete concept because you're just describing capitalism and how it functions in social terms like we know we know in other countries how these things work like how 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 social orders are used to identify uh, uh, potential wielders of power at a young age or a relatively young age and allow for them to seek connections to other powerful people and create networks of trust and a mutual uh, understanding of the world that can allow for, you know, different currents and, of power to develop. Uh, in South Africa, after uh, the British left, after World War II, and uh, the Nationalist Party, which had been like a, uh, a, a the, uh, um, which had been the, like, Dutch, nat- essentially the Boer Nationalist Party that had resisted ger- uh, British rule before the war uh, was opposed to the, the, like, the the Liberal Party, which was, like, the dominant sort of collaborationist party uh, with the British. And then a- after the war, the Nationalist Party became the dominant party because they were essentially the, the, the party of national liberation, like the Congress Party in India or the ANC later. And it meant that you had this uh, rule, like, the national rule within... Uh, in South Africa, was by this this middle uh, this tier of professional uh, members of the Dutch Reformed Church. Basically, these 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 uh, Afrikaners. Because remember, there are tons of Brits, there are tons of English uh, de- uh, descended people uh, in South Africa. There are also a bunch of Indians of all ca- of all classes in South Africa, and Jews. Shout out to the Friedland family but the the party of post-war uh rule was the nationalist uh, uh uh Afrikaner party. And how it ruled was in public through, you know, its offices, the prime minister and con- and uh and the parliament and, and and a formal democracy that included white voters, uh, but in practice it was a cabal within the greater uh, Boer ruling class of Uh, high-level industrialists and uh, high-level professionals, both political and bureaucratic uh, and academic, who mingled socially and through those social relationships established positions of power. And in South Africa, the uh, real recruiters of people into a power structure was more than the votes in parliament, uh, was the membership of an organization called the Afrikaner Brotherhood, which is uh, Dutch South, which is uh, Afrikaner for the Afrikaner Brotherhood. And it was like a, a Masonic society. And, uh, and people who uh, joined it early and showed promise moved through the ranks. Uh, that's where Heinrich Verward, who was like the post-war sort of mastermind of apartheid, uh, that's where he came up, and they ran the whole thing, whole show behind the scenes, but like it wasn't really behind the scenes, you know what I mean? And it's I think it's very similar with us, with all these like seemingly, these these organizations like the Bilderbergers and the Trilateral and and the Masons and fucking Bohemian Grove. They might, honestly, they might ritually uh, have fuck fuck kids together. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they do. But essentially the same way that the Shriners get together and get shit-faced and uh, used to get shit-faced and watch, like, stag movies on a bed sheet. You know? Same deal. Blowing off steam, making social connections, learning who you vibe with. But all they're really doing is giving a chance for... Uh, the meritocracy as it exists to work its way through, uh, to, to work people through the highest levels of power. Virtue signals some more. What virtues should I signal? Who would like to see, who has a virtue? Let's do it like Cameo. Who has a virtue they would like to see me signal? I'll signal it for you. Signal piety. Hmm, this is tough. Doing it self-consciously is difficult. You have to really have it built into your uh, your uh, your online identity to just be able to instinctively virtue signal. I guess it could just be like uh, uh, I, I pray every day. Is it, is that what it is? Just like saying that you do it. I don't know. I don't. I don't really know how you do it. Somebody keeps asking about the Silmarillion. I am not the Tolkien guy, dude. I'm much more George R.R. Martin. Give me the horny, uh... The horny, middle, fake Middle Ages. Not the one... Not the... Not the... Inc, not the Volcel... Incel one. Where nobody's fucking. I read... I read, uh... I read The Hobbit in sixth grade, because it was a sign. I watched The Lord of the Rings movies, uh... And the first two Hobbit movies, because that's when I saw. That was when I would see basically every big movie in theaters. And that's it. It's not my jam. We will not get the winds of winter. That's fine though. Honestly, the best thing that Beninoff and Weiss ever did for George R. R. Martin is take the pressure off. Because I gotta believe that people don't bug him as much about the books now that we kind of. How are you ever going to be, even if it came out tomorrow and it was, and it was actually, it wrapped the whole thing up, uh, would it really feel, would it hit the same as it would have before? You know what I mean? That whole, the whole incident with how the show ended. And honestly, any ending... I think would have taken the wind out of the sails to some extent, even if it nailed it, maybe especially if it nailed it. Either way, like the show in our minds, they got intertwined at a certain point and now it has ended. Like anything we're going to read in the book is just going to feel like a shadow world. It's going to feel like some, some path not taken and, and like dimly perceived. The real ending will be the one that we saw. So that's too bad. I'm I'm gonna watch the prequel show probably. Because I do like the lore. And in you know, if you get annoyed with Benioff and Weiss, uh at least all this stuff has been written, so you don't have to worry going in about them having to improvise. But I do uh What's it gonna be about? I think it's about the a Targaryen invasion. I don't know. Like, if you were gonna do a prequel, wouldn't it seems like that's not the most interesting angle you take? Like, obviously, the Dance of Dragons seems to be to be the obvious one. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do that one? That's like it's got a built-in narrative. It's got drama. It's got it. it it's why wouldn't you do the dance of dragons uh but if you're not gonna do the dance of dragons uh so you're just gonna do like aegon's conquest, which is narratively has none of the back and forth action of uh of the dance of dragons but then again i don't I don't know what the i think it's about aegon's conquest but uh but either way, I wouldn't be interested in that. Honestly, give me something somewhere other than Westeros. I originally thought they were going to do something about the Age of Heroes, but I guess not. Or are they doing that also? I don't know. I should, I'll, I'll, we'll see. I might. I might be over it by the time any of this stuff airs, and I might have evolved beyond the need to keep up with this shit. Who do the horsey people represent? The Dothraki or the Mongols? Or, like, I mean, essentially all step-nomadic warlords. I don't have thoughts on the Silmarillion. Leave me alone. It's getting cold out here. I gotta say, fingers are getting chilly. But I like it. Let me make a snowball. Karth isn't Karth basically like medieval Baghdad? Like, Bravos is Venice, but uh, I think Karth is like medieval Baghdad. Oh, fuck. Ah. There we go. Little ball. I guess it could be Constantinople too. Just feels a little out of the way to be Constantinople. I I thought of like maybe Volantis. Is that Rome? I'm making a little snowman here. This this person keeps asking this baffling question that I have to talk to. when did I first realize that power is real and that my and my beliefs don't really have any of it? When did I first realize I was powerless? Well, I mean, we all, dis- we all realize we're powerless as children. And then we spend the rest of our lives trying to delude ourselves into believing that we aren't. I guess when I relearned that I was powerless, probably in the hospital bed when I was stricken with the... Uh, near fatal spinal injury look at this guy he's a little snowman i made a little snow guy what should we call him what should we call him i'm taking i'm taking names grogu that's not bad grogu's not bad That's kind of funny. Uh, I'm trying to make his head a little bit bigger. Crude? Uh, Maybe that'll be his last name. He's got to have a first name, though. Snowgrew. That's not bad. Uh, I'm going to try to give him a little face, actually, here. Ah, Ow. Apologize to anybody who listens to these on the podcast format, because you're not going to be able to see this, so this might not feel like it's worthwhile, but I think it's fun. Stop. (laughs) That's good. Yeah, maybe I'll call him Stop. That's funny. Damn it. I'm trying to give him a face. I don't think this really works. was trying to use these, these uh, filter tips. Kind of looks freaky. Amber Frost, that's funny. That's good. In fact, I'll go with that. This is Amber Frost right here. It's too bad we don't use... Uh, it's too bad we don't use screenshots. For the int- for the covers of the YouTube of these, I could that would be a good one. That would be a good one for the for the cover image for this Kush vlog. I'm Looking at it like a Funko Pop. Frosty the Soy Man. Yeah, that's good with the eyes. It's like he's got got a soft, sexy lady. Ah, Ah, man. My hands are cold. Who could have predicted that that would happen? What the hell? Packing snow. Yeah, cool. This is awesome. Having cold hands afterwards. Fuck, this is bullshit. God damn it. Communism is when no Funko Pops. I don't know if that's true, but I sure hope so. Because if not, what are you even fighting for? If the world you're fighting for has Funko Pops in it, you need to reconsider your priorities. Someone keeps asking about the Silmarino. Sweater God, people. people. I am getting trolled in the comments. I keep forgetting that not everyone can be as... Uh, much a perfect avatar of good faith interaction as I am. It's sad. Sad! Hey, you know, it's interesting. Trump is, has Trump been around lately? He's still contesting the election, but mostly just through tweets. He hasn't been doing any rallies or anything. He seems... I think he's checked out. I, I, I'm guessing is that, is that he is coming to terms. Like, he is... This feels... Obviously, this is me just pulling things out of my ass. But, you know, we've had four years of this guy now. I, I feel like I've got a vibe for his, like, uh, personal emotional cycles. Um... It feels like this is him hitting the end of the Kubler-Ross cycle and accepting that he's going to have to leave. I mean, I, there was that piece that said that he says he's gonna, not going to leave, but he's a, he's a fucking pussy. The thing that needs to be remembered about him beyond anything else is that he is a fucking pussy. Which means that he will leave the White House on that day to go do something else, like a rally, and then just not come back. He's not going to ha- allow something happening as humiliating as being you know, carried out by fucking U.S. Marshals. There's 0% chance. As much as it would be hilariously, aesthetically gratifying to see such a thing, and as much as liberals have been jacking off at the prospect for the past four years, he is too much a coward to do it. asking how evil is George H.W. Bush compared to other presidents. I don't think that that's a terribly helpful question when you're trying to, you know, understand how power works or anything. But I do think that there probably there have to be, right? Cuz everything has gradations. So there are gradations of evil within the the presidential bestiary. And so there are more and less evil presidents. Like I do think that that's true. Yes, they're all evil to a minimal threshold, but past that threshold, there has to be grades because there has to be grades in everything. So that means you can talk about it. It's just, it's not tied to questions of, you know, power. It's not, it's not quite, it doesn't tell us anything about, you know, how power operates because mostly they're operating out of a, 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 uh, not evil, but out of what they imagine to be necessity. And sure, their evil is what makes them see it that way, but. It's it's not a, it's not generative of action because because most presidents are largely constrained in their actions by the circumstances of their presidency and as such their freedom to allow evil to be the predominant motivator of their actions is constrained also. So as soon as you make that assumption and you clear that and say we're not actually talking about anything that matters we're just talking about like idly who's the most evil like who just seems like their brain was the most desolate snake pit. And there are more and less ones. The least evil ones, I would say, the ones whose brains, if you entered them, would feel like a human brain. Like, there would be a, there would be a similar amount of, you know, emotional uh, connection to the world that you have. Lincoln. John Quincy Adams. Um maybe jfk because like he wasn't a good guy but and he was very callow but uh or he might have been a stone psychopath i don't really know enough about fdr i think yes yes definitely fdr uh probably even teddy roosevelt even though he was a complete psycho um james garfield for sure jimmy carter definitely Honestly, I don't think either of them. Maybe Eisenhower. Grant, definitely. But we're all talking about, you know, this is slim pickings and the degrees are all relatively low. What about the people who, if you went into their head, uh, would just find, would find snakes, would, would find reptiles, would find a cold-blooded detachment and, uh, and, and lizard-like hostility to, to everything other than themselves. Uh, George H.W. Bush is top five, for sure. 100%. Andrew Jackson, also up there. Ja- Andrew Johnson, also up there. Donald Trump. Personally wicked, but too cowardly to, to do the stuff. Too cowardly and lazy. Bill Clinton, 100%. Barf Sacco Crumbo, 100%. Reagan, I honestly don't know if you can use, you use these concepts, because by the time he even got close to power, he had essentially stopped thinking in a conventional way so what can you even say about it maybe yeah maybe when he was governor of california i would say yeah both adams is How many more presidents will there be? That's a good question. I mean, in many ways, it is absurd that we're having another one after Trump. And I did say that one thing that I was repulsed by was the idea of us trying to act like it it never happened. And I have to say that the specifics of Biden being president mean that we can't do that as much as you might want to pretend you can because Biden's presidency will be so Trump-like in so many ways. And the only real difference you're gonna see is that the media that spent four years uh, trying to hang Trump for every transgression against norms and propriety will spend those four years trying to tell you, actually, no, these are all good, and don't worry about them, and they're fine, and it's not bad, and it's actually, uh, it's actually racist for you to think that this is uh, a gibbering old senile maniac uh, profaning all of these hallowed institutions that he's supposedly to be uh, charged with shepherding. Not gonna be fucking Hawley. Get the fuck out of here. The people who say it's Hawley are captured by the fundamental delusion that there is something more authentically grounded in like right wing spectacle of politics than there is on, amongst the Democrats. Because, because if you're on the left and you see ID Paul being weaponized by the Democrats and turning people into just these, uh, these people who are allergic to class politics. You look to the right and you think, well, because they don't have these mechanisms of, of coercion, then that means that a populist message will like, find some sort of real kindling at, at the grassroots that is impossible on the left. But they have their own set of dumb culture war I.D. Paul bullshit that decapitates their, the brainstem of most of their voters and makes it impossible for you to appeal to them... Any more than you can? Democratic voters. And so if Josh Hawley does make a pitch to be uh, the intellectually consistent uh, uh, national populist Heron Volk inheritor of pure ideological Trumpism, he will get smashed and destroyed by either Trump himself, if he just decides to deal with losing by spending four years running to get it back and then winning to make it up for it, and then hope he can die somewhere along the way so he can just stop. Or Don Trump Jr. Or some fucking carnival-barking clown show who can press the brainstem of Republican voters the same way that the fucking DNC cynically presses the brainstem on the Democratic voters. Everybody who says it's going to be Josh Hawley think that because they think Well, if I was a Republican voter, I would vote for Hawley. You're not, though. By the way, I found out that apparently Noah Hawley has a twin brother, I believe, who is a uh, showrunner for like a network procedural it's literally like Donald uh, Kaufman and, uh, and, and Charlie from fucking uh, Adaptation. It's astounding. Like, you've got the sellout brother who's just making shows about, like, horny cops, and then you've got the pretentious brother who thinks he's doing elevated cuisine, not flipping burgers. And apparently they hate each other. That's hilarious to me. And it makes the third season twin plot with Ewan McGregor really makes sense because twins, that's not really something from the Coens. That was something from the Hawley. Nobody likes Dan Crenshaw. Dan Crenshaw is trying to take a, the specific liberal, democratic, cultural, uh, soy, discord spectacle, like the, the the language of the Marvel Universe, and use it to be and uh, use it to, to uh, appeal to Republicans. And there is like some sort of base to that. I think I, and that's just well, this is a language that. Everybody is absorbing, even if they are Republicans. They watch these movies, even if they think Hollywood is filled with pedophiles who hate the president. They still watch them because they're what's on. So why not use that familiar language to your benefit? That cultural costume going on Saturday Night Live and stuff. But that might get you some TV appearances, and it might get you uh, trending once in a while on Twitter... But it's not going to let you raise to the ranks of the political public establishment because the people who make decisions on who to uh, send to the halls of power, uh, not your little bitch-ass gerrymandered uh, signature district where they just took all the white people around Houston and put them into a little comma for you, like having to vote run statewide in in a big-ass state like Texas or run for a national office. Those people are not kids stewing in Marvel soy banter. Those are old fucks who want shit appealing to them, which is screaming, red faced, pissed off people like themselves. So Crenshaw's got no fucking uh, legs, as far as I can see, and only one eye. But again, don't know what can happen. That's just how it feels. Dan Crudeshaw. Now, there we go. He might win something if he changed his name to Crudeshaw. And he ran in like a uh, in a bearskin, like he he dressed like a caveman, and he only spoke in grunts. And he took his uh, fake eyeball out, and didn't wear the eye patch and just had the hole, because that's how a caveman would be, eyelet uh, with no eye. Crude Shaw, that's the reboot he needs to become a uh, president. It would be funny if he ended up marrying, uh, marrying AOC. It's like a dynastic Carville-Matlin marriage. Oh, I wanted to say this before I stop because I'm going to leave soon, but I wanted to mention this today, and I know I just talked about it yesterday, but I feel like I conjured something into being. Uh, today, O'Bungler came out with his list of the shows and movies he liked watching in 2020, and I got to say, I felt like a baby cyclo on a diet of straight kerbango, because it was just my, it was everything I've been fucking saying about this guy laid out there. He liked, uh, uh, he likes this, this perfect he is a perfect amalgam of all these middle-class, middle-brow, uh, professional-class taste, And people say, oh, he just had an intern write that. I disagree. That's true of most politicians. Like, a lot of these lizards just sit in the room and stare at a wall when they're, or, or are, like, doing ritual sacrifice shit. They don't watch TV. They don't give a shit. Like, that's one thing that Veep got very right, is that most of these people are totally disengaged from popular culture because they're not... They don't fucking sit around. The people, we do that because we, we're caged little hamsters, and we have nothing else to do to soothe ourselves and get make sure our fur doesn't get patchy. These people have the fucking halls of power and their own megalomania to fucking satisfy every moment of their lives. They don't need to sit there and fucking watch TV. So they don't know they don't watch TV. They don't watch sports. Uh, but I believe Obama does. When you look at what he has done since he's been president you look at the way he's lived his whole life i 100 percent believe he watches his shit because that's why he's doing it that's why he ran for president in the first place and was president so that he could watch himself be president and then tell that story again and again to just to live as a narrative and so he has to watch things. Like, the way that Trump watches... Uh, Trump, like, that's the other thing. Politician... Uh, uh, like, uh, the president, he doesn't watch fake uh, cable news. People who are actually, you know, in, in, in connection to real power don't watch cable news. I mean, they might have it on in their rooms to, like, watch it. And if they're on it, they make sure everybody sees it. And, like, they use it as, like, a, as a touchstone to see, like, oh, what's, the, what's today's scoop? but they're not sitting there watching it the way that you would have to 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 pile up the hours that Trump does, but Trump sits and watches it. Obama watches those fucking shows. Obama watches those shows and he watches those movies. And when he came out today with those and people were saying, they were either saying he didn't really see these or they were saying he didn't get it. How could he have liked this? How could he have watched The Boys? Doesn't he understand that he is the Vought Corporation in that movie or whatever? Doesn't he understand that he's Homelander? How could he have watched Bukuru, the movie about uh, rich uh, white Americans going to hunt poor uh, Brazilians for sport? And it's all about income inequality and, and, and a global like uh, racial uh, apartheid. And the, It's like a Maoist third worldist text. How, how could he have watched that? And they think, well, he got, he got the wrong... He didn't get the right message from it. He didn't get it. He, his brain wouldn't receive it. I, my, my belief, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, is that he gets it. He gets everything that you get out of the show. He got everything out of Parasite that you got out of it. He got everything out of Bookaroo that you got out of it. He got everything out of The Boys. And everything out of The Good Lord Bird, which he put on the list, and that... Oh, that got me. Yeah, baby. Yeah, Good Lord Bird. Obama watching this show that's supposed to be about John Brown and loving it. But I don't understand. How? How could he? He must not understand it. No, he gets it. He gets it. It doesn't matter. Because you you think to yourself, well, I watch this stuff and it gives me these beliefs. If Obama watches this stuff and it doesn't, if he had those beliefs, he would act out of them. But he is where he is because he has made certain mental assumptions about the way the world works that have essentially allowed him to take any cultural critique and rationalize it as he is absorbing it, which is, in microcosm, the way that all cultural products under capitalism are recuperated. We get this thunderbolt of, of like uh, political uh, revelation from these works of art that have these like creed de corps against a world that is unjust and we see the injustice around us but then we have to deal with reality because to reject the order as such is to put ourselves at risk and we don't, we fear the risk and so we figure out a reason that we can't act now and for most of us There's nothing immoral about that because we don't really have any power anyway. What we do one way or the other is minimally impactful. And so we really do have a right to ourselves to, at a certain point, take our own self-interest first. Now, the thing that makes guys like Obama guys like Obama, that narcissistic megalomania, uh, makes it so that they are able to at every moment, abstract and rationalize away from the reality of the horror of like what Amer- what the world is that a movie like *Bukuru* symbolizes, or the need for like revolutionary resistance to uh, to oppression as such, and a refusal to uh, to accommodate oneself that John Brown represented in *The Good Lord Bird*, and feel it because you're supposed to. But then, well, I'm only one president. I'm only one ex-president. And that, implications of that are uncomfortable because it, might, it means then that the fact that we consume the good art, the good media, does not confer upon us inherent virtues. I don't think it makes you bad, but it doesn't necessarily compose part of your virtues. And that is destabilizing because of how much we have built this Jenga tower of self-conception out of media consumption. Uh. By the way, I'm sure it's not pronounced Bucaru, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's Brazilian. It's Portuguese language name for a town. Bucaru, I don't know. Bacurau. Bacurau. <laughs> That's not even close. Good Lord. But he got the point. He watched Bukaru and said, yep, uh, Global North, uh, enslaving and exploiting uh, Global South. Uh, yeah, racial race, racial apartheid regimes, uh, inscribed uh, at the barrel of a gun. Uh, but it's more complicated than that, of course. You know, uh, uh there's uh, there are cultural pathologies at work that undermine uh, the ability of communities to uh, resist that oppression. And uh, compromises have to be, I mean, it's just, and, and the thing is that the, the thing his brain is doing is all of our brains are doing at every moment to allow us to do things like. You know, buy a phone that has literal slave labor in it. Every, this thing here, these things have fucking Coltan in it that was pulled out of the ground at gunpoint. Like huge segments of our ability to live are, 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 are necessitated by uh, slave labor because you couldn't pay someone enough to do the stuff that needs to be done, at least because we've decided not to invest our capital in saving that labor because it's cheaper to just compel it. But the thing is we don't have a lot of power over that individually, and so we have to make accommodations, or else what you're gonna fly over to the d r c and try to save like uh, break people out of a a coltan mine with a shot you would not work it would it would help no one and so we make we all make these compromises the higher up you go in power the the mind the it, it, it's it's more and more compromised by essentially one's evil one's ability to uh disconnect from everyone else around them and disconnect from the world and seek decide to put themselves at the seat of uh all meaning but the thought process is the same because nobody thinks of themselves as evil That means you just got to watch the stuff and enjoy it, the same way you can listen to politics podcasts and pay attention to politics. You can watch your streaming so shows and watch movies. I know I do, but doing those things have the same uh, they have the same moral weight as any other consumer action. Which is to say, they're that they. they they're either neutral or just bad by virtue of the fact that they're contributory to a system that is bad. But they're also necessary to the maintenance of like economic function. So that so maybe at the end of the day, it's, they're all neutral. They're neutral. Let's say that. And so anything else you get from them has to come from their aesthetic elements, which are not nothing. Art means something. Art is always going to mean something. But it doesn't mean what we have decided it means any more than politics does because they're the same thing. You can't expect anything from anybody in political power. Political power responds to pressure. That's it. But political I'm sorry, political power is manifested in pressure, manifested in the ability to to compel. And right now the reason things are so terrible, the reason that we're watching this monstrous response to COVID allowing this this the, any chance of even minor uh, uh, economic aid to people who are on the verge of starvation being parried down to nothing, and some disgusting no-nothing Wisconsin cheesehead fuck just shitting in everyone's mouth and calling it a fucking chocolate sundae, is because there is no there is no fear these people have. They fear nothing from us. They fear no consequence from us. Not even I mean obviously not personally. But also not even professionally or for their careers because we are not a public that can express anything other than the disaggregated individual, confused, selfish, selfless, irrational, jabbering uh, imp- political uh, uh, identity of a hundred million people or whoever I many vote. And as long as it's that, their job is just essentially to read demographic waves and, and figure out where to pitch messages to to maintain a structure that is essentially self-perpetuating. We have to put fucking uh, we have to put branches in the spokes ourselves by creating a by creating a will out of this disaggregation, and then imposing it and saying. You do this or you suffer consequences. All right. It's cold as shit out here. I'm going to go soon. Uh, So I think this might be my last. I might do another one tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, But I think it will be the last one. Either today or tomorrow will be the last one for like about a week. For the, for the Christmas week, I will be otherwise occupied and I don't want to have to worry about, uh, you know, keeping up a schedule. Uh, so we'll be back the week after. And so Wednesday the 30th will probably not be the first time back, but but it will be, I I can at least say that there will be a, a stream then and that we'll talk about the last half of the first part of Richard White's the Republic for which it stands, chapters 4 through 8. And we'll talk about that. I'm uh, reading chapter 4 right now, uh, the one about home, and it's very interesting. Uh, the, he frames everything. He, he frames, like, the domestic ideal that I've been talking about, that, like the yeoman self-sufficiency, as, as the abstract concept of a home. And, and he charts the way that it uh, sort of constellates throughout uh, political rhetoric and culture. At the time. It's pretty good. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Either tomorrow or in like a week. Bye-bye.